Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution or custom HR solution at zeniumhr.com. All right. Well, if you haven't leaned into AI in your business or, or even personal use yet, this is a good episode to get started with. I invited Jennifer Dolsky, the CEO of Rising Team, on for today's episode, and we we're talking about AI and all it has to offer. Jennifer has been leading tech companies and scaling tech companies for many years and leads a great software organization at Rising Team. And she's sharing her perspective on the impact that AI is making in the workplace and even drawing from her own experience, figuring out like how are we using AI inside of a software that we're building or just in, in regular use across our entire team. So if you are a leader who hasn't yet jumped in to AI with fee first, I think you'll draw some inspiration from today's conversation. As Jennifer explained in this podcast, embracing AI is, is key to maintaining a competitive edge in today's environment. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Jennifer Dolsky, the CEO of Rising Team. Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. So you you run a software organization called Rising Team, and I imagine over the course of, of you running this software company that it's evolved a lot. And in the tech space, AI is in everything, and business leaders are thinking about it, and, and, and I'm sure it's shaping the way you're thinking about your product long-term and how people are using it. So let's get into what is AI's role in, in modern leadership? You have software that's built for leaders. So talk to me about the role that you see AI playing. Yeah. So to give you an example, to your point, if you think about Rising Team, you know, I started this company in 2020 because it was the product I felt I needed as a leader of teams. I wanted tools that could help managers bring their teams together, feel more connected, valued, et cetera. In my original outline for this product, I wrote AI-powered custom coach. It was one of the bullets that I had intended to be there because I knew we could gather lots of insights and help people feel connected. On top of that, I wanted to have an AI tool that could help you use all those insights. And I couldn't build it in 2020. That is the incredible thing about what we've seen with AI in the past few years. So if you think about it, AI has been around since about the 1950s. And starting in the 50s, it was growing at about the pace of Moore's Law, doubling in capacity every 20 months or so. In the past 10 years, it has doubled every six months just to give you a sense of what this means, so people may not know the details of what's underpinning the AI models, but they use something called FLOPs, which is floating point operations. And in the 1950s, when they first started, it was like 40 FLOPs was in the model. And now the models are 3 billion petaflops. Wow. That's what powers this. A petaflop is a thousand million million. 
And this is 3 billion petaflops. So these models are so incredibly powerful. And it is true that what I wanted to build in 2020 was not buildable. And now in 2023, it's easy. You know, my team did a hackathon and in a few days we could put together a prototype of the thing we wanted. So the power is just immense. And when I think about leadership, because I teach about leadership at Stanford, I, I have a model of what I believe are the six key criteria that all great leaders have. And I've gone through and looked at how AI can help us with each one of them. And we can talk about the details underneath that. But the truth is that AI can help us on almost every one of the six levers. Yeah. Well, leadership is complicated as it is. And have you always had a vision for how AI would coincide nicely with our, just leadership principles that you believe in and, and just uh, where, where we've been as a society with the way uh, our leaders have been? Are you thinking, or is it going to transform at all? I think it really will. It's so interesting because it's even surprised me, to be honest. So I started out with, okay, what are the six levers of great leadership? And for me, I call them the six C's. So create a compelling vision, communicate a clear path to success, coach each team member to their best performance, compete by delivering effective results, connect people so they feel like a team, and then finally commit to keep going when things get hard, which to be honest is probably the core skill of leadership. And when I first started thinking about how AI will impact each of these, I originally thought there were going to be a lot of areas where AI just wouldn't be that helpful. And then I started playing around with it, which I hope most people have done by now and are doing regularly. And it just surprised me. So one example is on that first C of creating a compelling vision. I thought originally AI won't really be able to do this because vision is something that has to be unique and differentiated. And a lot of what's in AI is existing information. And so I played around with it. I, I asked questions like, help me create an inspiring vision statement for a new startup that helps people sleep better. And it was like 30 seconds. Not only did I have a vision statement, I had a name of a company. I had a tagline. I had some values. I had a mission statement. It was incredible. And so I think where we're heading is a real partnership, if you will, because what it can't do is tell me what I'm personally passionate about, right? Like I, I can't say, come up with a vision for anything. Like I have to pick something I care about and that I want to be working on. And ideally I have to have a problem that I want to solve and some ideas on how to solve it. And at that point, AI can be an enormous help. It can help me think of other ways to solve the problem that I haven't thought of. It can help me develop much more inspiring communication and visuals than I might have been able to do otherwise. I think what's what you're hitting on there is AI doesn't have a heart. It has no emotion and we, we can't expect it to, to give us that. We have to sort of unlock that in it. And so if you know what's inside you and can use it truly as like an assistant in, in a lot of ways, then you can extrapolate some extra ideas that maybe you didn't, you just couldn't put a name to it or couldn't articulate it perfectly, but it's, it's going through tons of data and could spit that out for you. Do you think leaders are going to use it in that way? Or are you going to, are you going to teach people how to use it? That is the idea here, right? Like I think the winning combination, the winning formula for leadership going forward is AI plus human connection. 
So as you point out, AI doesn't have a heart, at least not yet. It's, I think it's getting there. Like we are teaching it to have empathy and compassion and all that. But it doesn't, you know, because AI will help us with so much of the rest of what we do today on thinking of ideas and, and executing and coming up with communication and certainly coding faster, translating faster, writing faster, all of those things, what will be left for leaders to really be great at is empathy and deep trust and connection building with other human beings. And so the best leaders will be those who are strong at that and know how to leverage AI to help them do everything else. Do you think the generations of leaders that we have in the workplace right now, they all equally have an appetite for AI or are certain generations adopting to it faster than others? I'm just curious where we're at right now. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have the hard data on this. I think certainly anecdotally, it's easy to see that younger people, as is the case with any new technology that comes out, younger people are kind of first to adopt it and find it less threatening because they just aren't used to other things. So I think we will see early adopters be a combination of younger people and maybe extra tech savvy people. The amazing thing about AI, though, is that you don't have to be tech savvy to use it. It is like if I think back on my career and the various changes in technology that we've seen in my lifetime and yours, you know, I mean, well, in my lifetime, I've seen the dawning of the internet in the first place and then mobile phones and so forth. And for each of those, you needed to be a little bit tech savvy to figure out how to use them in the first place. And then you certainly needed to be tech savvy to build on top of that. Like to build a website or to build a mobile app, you essentially had to be an engineer or teach yourself how to code. AI is completely different because you don't have to be an engineer to use it. You just need to learn prompting. So as an example at Rising Team, I had AI in the vision from the beginning and I knew that we needed to train the whole team on AI. So we did AI boot camp for everybody on the team, not just engineers, but every function. And then we did AI hackathon for three days where people pitched ideas, joined together in teams and built things. And again, most hackathons in tech historically have been just engineers and designers and maybe product people, but marketing and salespeople and so forth don't usually participate. In this one, everybody was in and everybody played a part and the things that got built were incredible. And so my hope is that most leaders, again, you don't have to take a class, just dip your toe in, start asking some questions. And then there are a bunch of tools like we used learnprompting.org, which is a free tool that anybody can use to practice and learn how to use it. Yeah, what's great about AI and the generative AI, at least in the chatbots, is that you you can ask it dumb questions, and it'll even if it's like not a great question, it could it'll really figure out as long as you give it some context and prompt it correctly. It it'll usually give you something good back. That's right, and the magic is in the prompting. So, and when I say you don't have to be an engineer, like it is true that there are technical people required to build the models in the first place. But once the models yeah. are available then anyone can use them. And the key skill is, as you point out, how to ask a good question. So as an example, you know, I was president of change.org for five years. We had people using this site all around the world. And that meant we had to translate it into different languages. For us to translate it when I was there, which was, you know, almost 10 years ago now, it took me probably many months 
and thousands of dollars, ten, probably tens of thousands of dollars and multiple people per language. Every time we wanted to do a new language, I had an agency, they would spend months doing it. I'd have real people check it. We'd be spending a lot of money. One of the projects we did in the Rising Team Hackathon was translation because we have people on six continents using this already. And right now it's only in English. And in one day, we were able to do most of one language. And I had a human being who's native Spanish speaker. That was the language we chose. And she said it was like 95% there. And part of the reason was we were able to prompt it, not just can you translate this, but can you translate this and use our voice and tone guidelines such that it sounds this way that we want our language to sound and then it spits it out. And we tried a bunch of different versions and saw what worked best. And yeah, it's very powerful right now. So leaders often are making a lot of decisions. Do you think that they're going to be leveraging generative AI tools to make decisions or at least give them the, the options and then, and then they ultimately make the decision. And maybe even how are you using it? How are the leaders that you work with, how are they using tools like this to yeah. make decisions? I'm not sure it's being used that much yet. I hope that we see more of it. So, um, I mean, it's being used a lot. I'm not sure it's being used in this way. And this is actually my theory about AI and leadership in general. I think we are mainly using AI on that C I call compete, which is how do I just deliver results? How do I do things faster, better, et cetera? I don't think people are thinking enough yet about how do I use it strategically in the way I make decisions and where I take the business. And what my recommendation here would be, so in, in my class, I teach a process I call the grid, which basically is a, every time we need to make a decision, we start with what our objectives are. So instead of just saying, I'm going to decide here are my alternatives, I start with a, a column that lists the things I would like to achieve. So sometimes that might be driving more revenue for my company or increasing retention of my employees or whatever. I'd have a list of objectives. And then I would make a grid where each of the other columns are a different alternative I could think about for that decision. And then I, I grade it. So I think about each alternative and how well it does against each of my objectives. And AI can be extremely powerful, not in helping us think about our objectives. Like we should be able to say, this is what I want to achieve without AI. Where AI can be extremely helpful is in helping us think about alternatives. Because we just don't have the full suite of possibilities in mind, and it has so much more data than we do. So you can put in the problem, ask AI for the alternatives, and then use the grid with your own data and instinct and your own objectives in mind to make a better decision. You know what I worry about with with the AI tools, especially people who don't prompt it right and take the easy road out is they prompt it and they take exactly what's spit out, whether it's an, it's an email communication or like even you're talking about stating a vision for your organization. What if they're just taking what's given to them with no critical thinking skills and and then we all sort of have this same voice, this homogenous way in which we're going about our content. I worry that then the heart and the compassion and the empathy and whatever message we're delivering then is just so diluted. Do you worry about that at all? I do. And this is why I say the winning formula is AI plus human connection. And you could say plus empathy if you want. I absolutely agree there's going to be a lot of people who are just plugging it into AI and taking out whatever it puts. And, and honestly, that's probably good enough for a lot of the things. So think about, for instance, the 
SEO, you know, search engine optimization industry. Like the way in the past to get traffic has been to pump out a ton of content, get pages backlinked to, and, you know, drive people to your website. Now, most of those pages are bad to begin with. Like they're just not very well written, but it's still taking people a lot of time if they put it through AI and come up with similarly mediocre pages, but faster. It's probably not going to hurt any of us and it'll be okay. But if they start making their company vision statement by just taking what it says, like that's not going to be good enough, right? We have to put some of our own humanity into it. Some of that can happen in the prompting. Like, you know, as an example, I write a lot on LinkedIn and other places. And sometimes when I want to write something, but I don't have a lot of time, I can try AI as a first draft. And what I will do is say, here are some articles I've written. Here's the topic I want to cover. Can you use this voice? So it's possible you can actually train it on a, a specific voice that you feel comfortable with. But the other thing I'd say is, you know, there are a lot of pitfalls, not just how human is it, but also is it right? Like we do, to your point, we have to fact check. We have to check for bias. Yeah. We have to check for copyright infringement. We Absolutely. have to be cautious of deep fakes. Like there are so many potential flaws with this now that using it right out of the box is probably not wise for a number of reasons. Yeah. I mean, I've run across that where I'm asking something very specific that it doesn't know the answer to. And it does the whole hallucination thing where it just, just makes up because it's got to answer the question. <laughs> That's right. Or like, as an example, I had someone who asked for my bio on AI and it was like two thirds right and one third wrong. Like it has boards I'm not on. It had awards I hadn't won. I was like, oh, that's nice. But clearly you don't want to just take that straight out of a bot. Yeah. Right. I'm truly using it like an assistant. So like, for example, this podcast, I will transcribe it. And so it's real content that we're using. And then I might say like, give me a summary or come up with a title for this and, you know, give me five ideas for a title. So it's like real content that's from our, our actual words. So I'm, I'm a little less concerned about something like that. Whereas, yeah, you ask it, Hey, give me Jennifer's bio and it might just fill in the blanks. And if I just copy paste and, you know, send that along or publish it, it you get, you have misinformation out in the web. That's right. The bias examples have also been pretty interesting to me. I, there was one that I saw where the AI was asked in the sentence, the professor told the graduate student she wasn't working hard enough. Who wasn't working hard enough? And in that sentence, it says she refers to the graduate student, therefore the graduate student wasn't working hard enough. And then you switch the sentence and say, the professor told the graduate student he wasn't working hard enough. And it says in this sentence, he refers to the professor. And so the professor wasn't working hard enough. So there's just like, there is a lot of ingrained bias in this if we're not careful about how, you know, how these things are trained. And that's the other thing I think is, when we think about leadership in AI, it is. It will be on leaders going forward to think about the content they're putting into these models and who's training them and how, such that they don't create more problems than they solve. Mm -hmm. How do you think managers and supervisors will use it in the employee-manager relationship? And maybe you already have this baked out in, into your platform, but I'm I'm curious how how managers will use it with their employees. Yeah. So the thing that I think will be the most powerful use case for managers is what we're building and we're building because I think it's powerful. 
you know, we started with the human connection piece. So Rising Team is about how do you run deeply connecting sessions with your teams that make them feel valued and understood and so forth. And you gather a lot of insights about people over time, which is the key to being a good manager, right? You know, I learned this. I was a coxswain on the rowing team in college and high school. And I just learned so clearly that everybody is unique. You know, I had some people in the boat who really wanted straight on feedback, like you're too slow, speed it up. And other people who wanted some encouragement, like just a little bit faster, you're almost there. Those people are dramatically different in the way that what they need and want from their manager. And so in the sessions, we're gathering insights like how people want to be appreciated and they want their feedback delivered and so forth. But it's really hard for managers to remember all that stuff. It's just, even if you're capturing it, and in our case, we have it, it lives in a tab on our website that you can go back to anytime, it's still a real pain to go back and find it, and most people won't. And so this is the real power of AI, is you put all those insights in there, and then you say, hey, I need to give feedback to Brandon on this thing, and help me draft a script that ties to his unique preferences. And it can do that in a way that we could never do it before. It is finally available. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the powerful cases. And it's kind of scary how far I think some people in the tech world want to take it. I, I've heard of like, you know, Elon Musk is doing the whole Neuralink thing, which I, I think is like your brain connected to a computer. So it's like, if you're trying to remember everything about your employee and what makes them tick, maybe you just have access to it. I mean, like things are getting so crazy, but it's amazing to think about the power. It's true. And that it can go really far. I'll tell you another manager use case that I really like, which is, and it's not necessarily only manager. It's more about interactions with other people. Could be a sales person and a customer, it could be a manager and an employee and so forth. But there are now AI tools that will watch us in our video and grade us on certain things. So for instance, I have an AI tool that really? I use in customer meetings and it's, it's it scribes, it makes a transcript and a summary and some action items. But the other thing it does is rate me on certain things like how many filler words I use and what's the longest monologue I did and so forth. And the idea is that if we practice with AI, we actually can get better at whatever skill we want. So it might be sales and persuasion. It might be empathy and listening. It might be my own resilience and I'm practicing those skills. At the end of the day though, all it can help us do is practice. It can't help us ultimately deliver. Until we get the brain version, it's not like in my ear telling me. So I say like in my class, they ask us every quarter we have to say whether students are allowed to use AI or not. And I always say, sure, go for it. Like, we are, our class is all role plays. We take the hardest business situations people have faced, and then we ask the students to role play them in class. And AI is amazing at helping you with that first script. But the minute I talk back to you as a human being, AI is not going to be there. You got to come out with the rest of it yourself. So, Absolutely. You talked earlier about how with your team, you did, you brought the leadership together and even did, I can't remember what you called it, but we um, did boot camp and hackathon. Yes. And I imagine it's because you're building software. And so you probably built uh, bringing people together for that. But I'm thinking of like other organizations who have, you know, a lot of leaders, how do they, you know, should they do something like that to help get them up to speed on how to use these AI tools in a consistent way across the organization? What do you recommend there? 
Absolutely, I would do it. Like, that's the amazing thing, as I said, is because it doesn't need to be engineers, like we did it partially to just make sure everybody's learning because this is so important for us all to understand deeply and know how to use and practice and so forth. So part of it is just how do we make sure everyone learns it? The hackathon part for us was mainly about what can we build into our product that leverages AI. But for every other team, including ours, we could do a whole separate hackathon just about how could we use AI in our own work to be more effective, to be faster, to basically succeed more. And so we do already use you know, GitHub Copilot for coding. We use Grammarly and a few other you know, writing example tools with Otter AI and Soar for the transcripting. And so all across our business, we use the Photoshop tool, we use MidJourney, like everybody on our team uses AI as part of their regular work. And that's, if companies aren't doing that yet, they are going to be really at risk versus companies that are. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I keep hearing about the widening gap of skills in, in AI and how the businesses, the CEOs, the leaders that are not adapting to it and are just scared of it or saying like, no, like the old way of doing business is still the right way. We're not going to adapt to AI. I'm really concerned for the, that group. And not to sound alarm bells, but things are moving so fast. And I'm seeing it in my own work. I run a marketing department for a company and it's in my world, it's if I don't have a tech stack of AI tools, you know, 10 tools deep, like you just named a bunch that I already use, I'd be left behind. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, absolutely. I really agree with you. And this, I think right now it's coming a lot bottom up, but the companies that also do it top down will be the most successful. Like people will be out competed for sure if they are not using this because the people who are, their teams are just doing everything. I don't know how many X, but possibly five, 10 X faster than people who are not. And the nice thing is in terms of, you know, people are scared that AI will take over their jobs and so forth. And there are some jobs that don't look the same anymore because of AI. There will also be so many new jobs. And so this is the thing that for anyone who's scared of it, including senior leaders, the best way to be unscared is just to get started. Get on the yoga mat, just, you know, and that's why I said learn prompting is good. Just getting into chat GPT is good. There's Coursera courses, like there's all sorts of things, but we will have to find a way. And if you think about it, you know, I talked about the petaflops and all of that. Like we cannot even anticipate. Imagine what the last year of AI has looked like. You know, we went from no chat GBT access to chat GBT to all the graphic sites to now it's multimodal. People have headphones in their ears where chat GBT is acting as a therapist. Like we can't even probably envision the next one to two years, much less the next 10 years of this. And so if we aren't in it using it now, we will be mm -hmm. left behind. I would encourage anybody listening. Um, there's a book I, I read three, four months ago by Kai-Fu Lee. I don't know if you're familiar with him uh, as an author. AI 2041. So he envisions is through like parables. Uh, each chapter covers a different part of AI, but it basically covers like what AI will look like in our lives in 2041, which at the time of writing the book, I think is 20 years in the future. To your point, Jennifer, like a year ago, 
we were talking about, oh, generative AI, how cool. And look at how people are using it now. Imagine what another 20 years, even 10 years would look like in, in the workplace nonetheless. It's incredible. Yeah. So it's a good time to be like envisioning really bold things that don't seem possible right now because they will be. They will be possible. And then you get to all the ethics questions of how do we make those things possible without taking down the planet in the interim. <laughs> but yeah, it's exciting to think about. When I think about leaders, I don't know about in your world, but leaders have a lot of meetings. And I'm wondering what AI tools have you used that either reduces the amount of meetings that leaders are in or assists them in a way that it's more effective or meaningful, or not a lot of people have to be in the meeting because maybe there's a summary and like Zoom and other tools produce really good summaries where it's like, oh, I don't really need to attend the meeting. I'll just read the summary notes. How are you using it uh, with your leaders to really cut down on time spent in meetings and even more just productivity purposes? Yeah, I think the question is, what is the purpose of any given meeting? And so, you know, there, there used to be this meme could have been an email, right? Like everybody's hated meetings. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, I got a mug over here on my shelf that says that. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I think that is part of it is first start with, does this need to be a meeting period for anybody? And then after that, if it needs to be a meeting, who really needs to be there? And to your point, AI is so powerful now in being able to capture not just the summary, but the full transcript of the meeting, if you want to read it, and action items and who's taking those action items. We use, as I said, we use the describing tools like Otter or Soar, and then we also use Notion a lot internally, and that can give you AI action items and so forth. So I personally think that one of the best purposes of meetings now is connection. Like this is the thing that it's very possible to have AI just take over so many of the tasks. And if all we do is spend our meeting time also in goals and action items and everything, then A, people don't need those meetings as much anymore. And B, people just get sick of going to meetings like that, to your point. And so I make sure... And part of the reason we actually just launched a mini kit version of Rising Team, which are 10 minute sessions that you can do in any meeting, because if you're going to get into a meeting, you want to make sure at least part of it is about, I see you, I relate to you, I understand you, and you are not only your action items. So that's my recommendation is use AI to make the meetings faster or fewer and then make sure you build connection in the meetings that are left. I love that. Well, as we you know wrap up this discussion, I'm, I'm curious if you have like maybe a, a key takeaway or advice for uh, a person listening to this podcast episode and just saying like, okay, you know, on my leadership journey, I, I need to be doing this uh, in order to adapt to a changing world. What, what is that? I mean, the, the main takeaway I have, if I think back again on the changes that we've seen over time, of which this is by far the most dramatic. Like, let's just pause on that for a minute. Like, more dramatic than the dawning of the internet or the cell phone, I think, is this tech advance. Because the difference is those things took time to permeate the population, 
right? When the internet was available, it was first like just for NASA, and then it was just for techies and schools, and then it eventually got to everybody. It took decades for that to happen. Generative AI has been overnight, everybody has access to it because we all already have smartphones and internet access. So all over the world, people have this. And that means that the necessity to be up to speed on it is that much higher. And what I saw from those other versions is the people who didn't jump in really got left behind. And some companies entirely went bust because of that. You know, if you missed mobile or digital or whatnot. And so, yeah, my biggest advice is just jump in and think big and don't let it scare you. Well said. Well, where can people learn more about you, connect with you, or, or see the work that you're doing at Rising Team? Yeah, so I'm Jay Dulski, D-U-L-S-K-I, on pretty much everything, Twitter and everywhere else. And then you can also find us at risingteam.com. My guest today has been Jennifer Dulski. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.